Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed in networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society. Thank you to everyone who donated during the Maximum Fun Drive. We promise we will not ask you for money again for a full year, and we promise we'll keep bringing you the comedy and the insights into writing and the television business that you love and have come to expect from us. We've got some great scripts lined up for our next live show, which will be on Saturday, June 23rd at Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth Theater. I called it the Dynasty Theater last time, but now I'm naming it the long and proper way. We did our last show there, and this theater is so great. You have to come see it. And you need to come see a reading of a dead pilot by the owner of Dynasty Typewriter, Genji Cohen. Uh, and a dead pilot by Dan Harmon and Chris McKenna. I know a lot of listeners have been asking if we can do a Dan Harmon pilot. Well, we've got one, and it's a doozy. We'll also have a pilot by Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher of Shit My Dad Says. Uh, it's quite a lineup, and I'm sure we'll have an amazing star-studded cast, so come check it out. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Just search Dead Pilot Society. So I was just listening to Nell Scoville on Mark Maron's podcast. Nell is a legendary television writer. She worked on Letterman and Murphy Brown and The Simpsons and tons of other shows. And she's just written a book called Just the Funny Parts, which I haven't read yet. I'm dying to read. In her interview, she talks about the three Ps that she thinks about when evaluating whether to take a writing job. And those three Ps are people, process, and product. Is it a good group of people in the room? Is the process sane and bearable? Or are you there all night, every night? And is the product something you can be proud of and that hopefully reaches a committed audience? I can attest that you very rarely get all three Ps, but you hope for at least two. And it really struck me as just a great guideline for whatever you're doing, whether it's TV writing or any job. Just try to get at least two Ps. But if you find yourself in a situation where you have no peas, you got to get out of there. Life's too short. Our dead pilot this time comes from Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, writers of Ride Along and The Invitation and the upcoming Destroyer uh, film with Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan. They're also working on an adaptation of The Mysterious Benedict Society for Hulu, a series of kids' books. My kids are very excited about that. Uh, I'm trying something new this episode. I did a brief interview with Phil and Matt before the table read, but I also did a more in-depth interview with them about the script and the writing process uh, that you can hear after the read. So this is uh, full of spoilers, and um, so that's why we put it after, but it's also for, you know, it's for those of you writers out there or for those of you who, who want to get more into the weeds of how people go about writing these pilot things. Uh, I'm going to try and do these more in-depth interviews whenever possible going forward. I say this every time, but we had a great cast uh, for this episode. Jason Ritter, Jessica Roth, Lucas Neff, Jamie Denbo, Brendan Hines, Scott Michael Foster, Tony Trucks, Mark Evan Jackson, Aiden Mayeri, and Hank Chen. So here's my interview with Phil and Matt, followed by Airport Marriott after a brief message. Hello, are you looking for a new comedy podcast? In which case, can I draw your attention to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast? It's a fictional industry podcast for the beef and dairy industries. It won Best Comedy at the 2017 British Podcast Awards, and it features wonderful guests such as Greg Davis. To my knowledge, it's the only cow circus that's ever existed in this country. In rural Russia, every small town has a cow circus. Josie Long. You should have a beef. Have a beef with them. I have a beef with you. I will have a beef with you. Come round my house. 
and I'll have a beef with you. And Andy Daly. That virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was all a, a, an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I would recommend starting at episode one. Bye. All right, we're going to be reading your pilot, uh, Airport Marriott, which you sold to... Fox. The Fox Network, okay. (laughs) Sensing a pattern. Um, Double Fox. Yeah. Studio and network. Okay. So why did you write a pilot about an airport Marriott? What was the inspiration there? Well... Isn't it obvious? Yeah. I mean, uh, no, uh, for me, one of the things was you always read these scripts where, like, there's a Merc team or something. Everyone's, like, the best of the best. And we thought, what if they're not the best of the best? And I feel like we, um, I was, uh, this is exactly the type of anecdote you tell in a pitch. And everybody says, it comes from his real life. So America will not want it. Um, we, uh, I was uh, at Logan Airport and uh, fogged in, or socked in, as they say, in the business. Uh, and I was uh, just desperate to find a hotel room, and everybody was like scrambling around, and I managed to find one room at the uh, Hampton Inn at the airport. And it, the Hampton Inn at Logan Airport is like a really, um, it's really in a brutal area because it's just in industrial hellscape. There's like, uh, you know, oil tanks with, you know, like, like and, and, and storage f- facilities and that's it. So, but I went in there and um, the staff was just wonderful. Like they were so nice and they, they clearly had recently renovated and were taking a lot of pride in what was going on. And I was so tired and, and stressed. And I just wanted to get to be with my family. And I was like, do you guys have, uh, is there like a mini bar or something? Because the, there's nothing near this. They're like, no, there's no mini bars in the room, sorry. But we do have a bar right here that we made. And they had like made a weird little bar out of one of the storage rooms. I mean, I'm sure it was properly licensed and everything, but it was amazing. It was like they had the Red Sox game playing, there was like 10 people there, and it was wonderful. So a commitment to excellence. It was a commitment to excellence. So that was uh, that was something kind of clicked of there, and you're like, there's there's yeah. a show here. People who are trying real hard. Yeah. Right. And then we were making a movie with uh, Jonathan, our producer, and Blake, who are here right now, and Ryan Reynolds, who was uh, is a wonderful person. And we kind of all whipped up this pitch, and we took it around. When we pitched it, we, we pitched it. Fox was having some kind of, uh, you know, TCA, like TCA type thing it? at uh, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And they said, well, just come out to our cabana and pitch it to us. And so we're there doing our little song and dance, and Ryan Reynolds is there as well. And so... We're facing them doing our thing, and these two women, we're right by the pool, these two women who are like sunbathing, eating nachos, and just gazing up at Ryan (laughs) right behind us. They weren't riveted by our pitch, I don't think. Yeah. Were, were the execs just looking at Ryan also? Were they, that were they was listening also. To the, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's nice to have That's Ryan Reynolds come to the yeah. pitch. That, that had, to, you know, we had to have helped things. Um, it does seem like a theme that has come up a lot uh, doing these dead pilots is how much the networks hate uh, people who are could be perceived in any way as losers. Um, and it oh, does yeah. seem like no. what you just said, like right. you wanted to do, you know, writers 
you know, I, you know, I've talked about this. I feel like our instinct is often we want to write about what, how we feel inside. Right. So we want to write about these sort of losers, and they want, you know, you know, the heads of the networks want to see stories about how they feel inside, which right. I assume is like the kings of the world. And it's, yeah. and, and so there's, there's they want somebody to be able to say in the show. Oh, that guy's good. God damn it. God, you did it again. Right. And as we'll see, I mean, it seems like your main character, you, do, you know, he is very good at his job. Yeah, he's very yeah, good at his he job. He is good at his job. And he's handsome, good. which we specified. Right, right. So you tried to kind of yeah. thread that, that needle. Um, and so what did happen uh, ultimately, you know, uh, so you, uh, the development process, where, did they seem on board? It was very pleasant. <laughs> it was very pleasant. Up until kind of the past, like we, we, we you know, we get, we were getting the, the drafts were kind of coming in and they're liking them and you're getting these calls like start making cast lists. You've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we peaked about three days too early and then other decisions were made. Right. And, and I, yeah, I think that like I was thinking a little bit about this, thinking about doing this and, and having listened to some of the other episodes of the podcast and, and realized like we mostly almost always just write features like this was our first foray into television and what was appealing is also the sort of uh downside in a way of like in in tv at least you know i know everything's changed up but in like network tv it's like they buy whatever 60 every network buys like 60 half hours and then they just start getting chopped down and you're just trying to survive and they are going to make like at fox like six or eight of them and at the other ones maybe 10 or 12 so you're fighting against other pilots, so you feel like, well, someone will win. In features, it's like you're just facing the indifference of the universe. Right. You know? <laughs> they don't ever have to do anything. Right. So, there's, so in, a, in a bad way, like there's, there's that, but in a good way, they never really die, the features. Like there, there's always some, most of the features we've done have taken years and years and years to happen, but there's a weird thing of like, you do this thing, and it doesn't go, and then it's just done. That's the strange thing, is like, I think we came in ninth out of eight, you know? And Generous of maybe, you to say that. Maybe 10. But, but like the fact that, that everyone that doesn't go is just discarded. Like no one, like if I was an executive, I'd look through the last three or four years and like... Yes, I've encouraged them to listen to this podcast because I, mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think there are, you know, there are great things that are out there that are, you know, they do just get tossed aside as if it's impossible. Because features know, live forever. Like the development do process come back. is forever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, but sometimes it is the nice thing, I guess, in TV is you do get a hard, you do get that hard no yeah. and it's not like you have years hard and no. years of, of belief. It's it, a remorseless, it, it, chilling no. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, I can't not plug The Invitation, which is a movie that you guys wrote, and Karen, who directed it, I know is here, and I just, for those of you who haven't seen The Invitation, it is incredible. Thank you. Just such a, such, just so chilling and great, and uh, just, while you're here, uh, tell us a little bit about the movie that you wrote that that Karen is... It's uh, called Destroyer, it's, uh, Karen's editing it right now, and uh, it's with Nicole Kidman, it's a thriller, cop thriller drama, and, uh, it's really excited. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, great to yeah, see you guys. And let's hear Airport Marriott. All right. Thank you. Okay, this is Airport Marriott, written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi. We're in the teaser. We're in the interior of an airplane. We find Adam Finn, handsome, meticulously groomed. He looks at us with true enthusiasm, both impressive and nerdy. I love hotels. The truly great hotel is like... 
an island of grace in a flawed world. We begin to intercut with images, welcoming smiles at a front desk, a uniform jacket crisply donned. The staff are psychics of service who appear like happy ghosts to give you things you never knew you wanted, like, like a sandalwood candle. More images. <laughs> More images. Sunlight streams into a perfect room. Flowers are arranged in elegant vases, beds made with military precision. What's sandalwood? You never knew you liked sandalwood, but man, sandalwood <laughs> smells like heaven. More images. Hot stones are placed for a massage. Close on smile after welcoming smile. Handshake after firm handshake. Some kids had posters of baseball stars on their wall. Me? Brochures for the Four Seasons Abu Dhabi. <laughs> and the Ritz at Macau. <laughs> Those were my heroes. I knew very early what was my calling, to make people feel at home, feel special. The four-star hotel is where I can do that. It's the white-hot center of doing that. And we reverse. He's talking to the attractive woman in the next seat. She looks at him, unable to formulate a response. Have I been talking for a while? She smiles, returning hastily to her iPad. Adam suddenly doesn't seem to know what to do with himself. His prowess in hotel matters clearly doesn't translate to the ladies. He looks out the window, sighs as the plane lands with a jolt. Napoleon was exiled to Elba after his greatest defeat. Me? The flight attendant's mouth moves, but we hear Adam's voice. Welcome to Omaha, Nebraska. And moments later, Adam smoothly takes bags from the overhead bin, handing them with a charming smile to the older ladies in the next row. I hope your vacation was everything you hoped for. They seem both charmed and mystified. Who is this guy? <laughs> We're at the arrival gate moments later. Adam walks out. Waiting for him at the gate is Erin, eager and guileless. She holds a sign reading Adam Finn. Oh, that, that's me. I'm Erin, front desk. I get to be the first to welcome you. I'm a little nervous, actually. Oh, don't be. To um. have you transferring directly from the flagship in Kona. <laughs> I can't believe our luck. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't wait to just pick you clean. Okay, well. Uh... <laughs> Aaron continues excited as they ignore signs for ground transportation and airport exit, weaving through the busy concourse of this middle rent non-hub. Just peel off that knowledge and get it in me. I want it inside of me. Aaron, um... I want you to be the best. I just want to wear you and walk around in your skin and see what that feels like. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not completely comfortable with any of that imagery. Oh, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's just, uh... You've been to the show. Tell me about the show. What is it like in the show? It's magnificent. <gasps> they turn right past baggage claim. They go past some planters through a set of revolving doors and stop. The storm cell is diverting half the Midwest flights to here. Exciting! Back to doing it to it. She hustles away with a thumbs up, and we wheel around to hear his voiceover. The truly great hotel is an island of grace in a flawed world. We reveal the loud corporate chaos of the airport hotel lobby, complete with its own dedicated departures board. We close on Adam, profoundly humbled by this vision. But this is not that. And that's the end of the teaser. We're in Act 1 in the Marriott lobby. Adam stares at the lobby. People are splayed on the furniture, sleeping. Bags open, their contents spilling out on the floor. A kid jumping up and down in a puddle of spilled Coke, as if to specifically taunt everything Adam holds dear. We're in the lobby bathroom moments later, Adam freaks out to himself in the mirror. It's going to be okay. They sent you here to break you, but you will not break. You will fix your life. He takes a cleansing breath, 
forces his game face on. He is calm and in charge. No one knows what happened. Okay? You will transform this place. You will make greatness here. This, this is the canvas of your rebirth. A toilet flushes as if in punctuation, and we hear a voice from a stall. Godspeed, brother. (laughs) We're in the Marriott lobby moments later. Adam strides to the bell desk where Rudy, a cool, easy, confident guy, always looking for an angle, advises a customer. Terminal A. All-American baked potato. I know, seems a little edgy, but if you can't take the time to really tuck it into a sit-down at a Chili's, it's, it's top-notch. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. uh, uh, Rudy, uh, Adam Finn, your new GM. Rudy nods hello and continues. Don't settle for the cheddar. Yeah, drop my name, they'll bring the Swiss out from the back. It's a stone-cold flavor blast. <laughs> uh, where, where's the bellman? I'm the bellman, uh, in name. You know, you just caught me wearing my concierge hat, not crazy about labels, not a labels guy. <laughs> Rudy is distracted by a passing flight attendant. A labelman. Yeah, uh, could you do me a favor and put your, uh, put your bellman hat back on to handle these bags? The lobby is a disaster area. Oh, actually, that's completely normal. As Adam starts to respond, <laughs> Carl, a bit of a cowboy in vibe and attitude, grinds up to them. Adam Finn, Carl Statler, acting GM. We briefly emailed. Wanted to assure you there will be an orderly transfer of power. They They shake hands. Carl stares at him, tightening the grip. Institution is what's important, not one man. Great sentiments. Across the lobby, there's a disturbance at the front desk. Adam dispatches himself towards the counter. You ice-grilled him, Carl. Don't fall for him, Rudy. I'll sizzle no steak. (laughs) We follow Adam as he weaves through the crowd toward check-in, where Rick Parkman, a businessman, is in conflict with Jamie, the somewhat edgy front desk leader. The job is a means to an an end for her. She's working her way through law school, and it shows. I was promised three rooms. You find them. One phone call, I can have you fired. I don't respond well to threats. I think you need to stop failing one of your top customers. He waves his platinum circle card around. I have seen your card, sir, and it is not a be a dick for free card. Uh, Adam Finn, GM, uh, how can I help? My niece's wedding is tonight in Dallas. Our plane was diverted, so I won't get to give the toast I've been planning since she was a child. All I want is a place for my extended family and myself to deal with our disappointment, and I get Emily Strange over here telling me I don't have a room. Uh, Sir, I understand that you're upset, but can I remind you that there are citizens of this country who could not get married at all? She needs to get out of my face. Uh, I say, wah, to your tragedy. Uh, yeah, I'm going um, to hand you off to Aaron. Uh, Jamie, with me? Mm-hmm. Hi, uh, I'm Adam. I'm concerned with the heat of that interaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am concerned with justice. <laughs> a lot of people in that line, okay? He flashes a little card and suddenly he's better than everyone else? Yes. Uh, that card means he is one of the best people in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you real? She pokes his shoulder. Apparently not. Look, I wasn't literally, okay. The Platinum Circle is a huge deal. If you can't get the importance of elite status rewards, I literally don't know what to say to you. I mean, it's like, a, it's like trying to communicate with an alien race. You're the alien. To aliens, you're the alien. Adam, <laughs> flustered, returns to the desk. Aaron shows Rick some brochures for local attractions. Uh, the Museum of Meat is an extremely interactive experience. Uh, sir, why, why don't you go relax in the lounge with our compliments while we straighten this out? As Parkman grudgingly nods and leaves, Aaron reaches for some coupons, which mortifies Adam. I, I, no, no, I never want to see a coupon of any kind in here again. 
I will purge them. Thank you. Staff meeting, everyone, now. We're in the employee break room. Moments later, Adam stands before the puzzled staff, ready to inspire. Service beyond imagination. Service beyond imagination. My name is Adam Finn, and I thank you for the privilege, no, honor, of being your new general manager. One of the employees turns and looks at Carl standing in the back and mouths the word brutal. Carl <laughs> glares at him. What you just heard is the new guiding principle for this hotel. What's happening out there may seem fine, normal, acceptable, but, but I have a vision. I have come here from Kona to craft, with your help, a hotel that stands up to the greats, a shining beacon of warmth and, and hospitality where every guest is treated as special. Not, not Dan from sales, not a number, Dan, just Dan. <laughs> a valued, respected individual, given the best we have to offer. And I'm here to prove that here, together, we can be a hotel on the hill, a jewel in the empire's crown. Yes, Jose. This is the airport Marriott, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, technically, yes. But could it be a four-star hotel? I've been there. Kona, Bora Bora, Istanbul at the Bosphorus. I've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> and what separates them from us? Everything. Operating budget. Everything. Level of service. Level of service. Guy with these credentials, no way he ends up here by choice. Something stinks in Denmark. Papa Bear's gonna do some digging. <laughs> you have uh, something to add, Carl? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> okay, the reality is, the reality is right now, we're a two-star hotel. Let's just get to two and a half, okay? Baby steps. All I ask for is your commitment, because you have mine. First comes trust, dedication, and a sense of family. He speaks, he says in impeccable Hawaiian, Ohana. <laughs> then, another half star. A AAA Five Diamond Award, perhaps? Travel and leisure takes notice, and hey, oh, what's that? A, a budget to expand the pool? To add a spa? <laughs> Insert your own dream. I mean, service beyond imagination. It starts today, and it starts with a new greeting. From now on, when a guest approaches the front desk, he or she will be greeted with, welcome to the Omaha Airport Marriott Jewel of the Prairie. <laughs> Jamie, you like to take it first step? I am never going to say that. <laughs> um, excuse me? Yeah, no, I'm not a, rob a robot, therefore, um, being made of flesh, I'm never gonna say that. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it, gladly. Thank you, Aaron. <clears throat> Erin marches to the front of the room. Adam hands her a card. Here, why don't you greet our, uh, our Platinum Circle member by name? It's always better to personalize it. Erin studies the card, takes a series of cleansing breaths, then snaps her head up, contorting her face into a smiling, grotesque mask. Hello, Rick L. Parkman. Welcome to the Omaha Airport Marionaut. 
The jewel of the prairie. <laughs> wait, uh, wait. Richard L. Parkman? Okay, everybody uh, uh, back to work. Aaron, Jamie, can I see you for a minute? How was that? I crave feedback. Uh, <laughs> it, it was unsettling. Um, listen, this guy, Rick Parkman, he's a big swinging dick at Geico. Really? A tier one BSD? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what coding you use here, but yes, he is important. Big, swinging dick. Okay, we get the picture vividly. Thank Do you. you get the picture? Yes. <laughs> Do you get the stakes, lady? Jamie raises her eyebrows at this outburst, which seems to have surprised even Adam. Just find him his rooms. Roger, roger. Good. Uh, Rudy, Carl, walk with me. As he walks away, Jamie looks at Aaron, obviously freaking out. <sighs> I'm so screwed. It's my fault. I gave away the rooms. Damn it, Aaron. Are you on speed? Those, those two families came in from Boise for a funeral, and they looked so sad and tired, and I just, I got weak. I went to the computer, and I canceled the last reservation and gave them rooms. Weak, Aaron. Weak, okay, weak, you, weak, You were upset weak. because you were compassionate? Stupid-ass babies. You gotta help me, Jamie. I don't, I, I, I gotta write this. I'm, if I don't write this, I'm toast. I'm toaster strudel. Look, if this new guy fires you for a reservation, your first reservation, then he's an ass. No, there's going to be a calling. New Alpha's always called hard. It's how you establish dominance. Adam is a comer. I need him to like me. He's a comer. Please, God, stop saying that. No one is going to call you. I won't let it happen. Look, let's look in the computer. Let's see what we can do, okay? Aaron embraces her powerfully. Sister. Adam comes back into the room, clearing his throat. <clears throat> I couldn't help but notice that you two are not en route to the front desk, which confuses me. You didn't say chop chop. The rooms. <laughs> Find them now. And we end act one. We're in act two in the hallway. Adam walks with Rudy, Carl, and Yelena, the hardcore, secretive, Eastern European head of housekeeping. Here's a sit rep. We've got a tier one BSD, <laughs> and I want to impress him. Got it. Double shampoo, complete in room porn, walk away. No. No. Um, Mr. Parkman's flight delay has made it impossible to attend his niece's wedding, so we're bringing the wedding to... He flings open a door to reveal a drab conference room currently being used as a de facto lost baggage storage area for Midway Airlines. Oof. Good luck with that. <laughs> Service beyond imagination. You three will transform this bag depot into a gracious reception hall. Think um, casual formality uh, with a sprinkle of romance. We have white tablecloths and black tablecloths. Just go nuts. Rudy, I, I want a video link to the actual reception so that Mr. Parkman can give his toast. Uh, where's the T1 connection in here? We don't have a T1 line, bro. <laughs> of course not. Who needs reliable high speed internet? <laughs> not a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, I got a guy who'll hook us up. Gonna cost you though, and it's not gonna, and it's, and it's not gonna be money. It might be something messed up. <laughs> okay, just do it. Just, just all of it, quickly. Um, Carl, I'm noticing a little pushback on some of my ideas. Nope, 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 nope. Everything's peachy. Everything's peachy here, Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> no beef here. We are vegan. <laughs> Adam nods at him and exits. Look at him coming in here, all full of ideas, handing out hope like candy from his pocket. Carl, simmering, leaves. If he's already quoting the postman, it's gonna get ugly. <laughs> and we're exterior Terminal B concourse. Face down in a five-minute massage chair, Carl is on his phone, being cheer chewed out by his wife 
It's a little window into his life. No, 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 honey. Hold on. That's... Fighting to get a word in, Carl fires back, speaking to his wife in fluent Korean. Whatever he says is the wrong thing. Loud yelling can be heard. Cowed, Carl mutters an apology. As the call ends, Carl takes a second. Then, channeling his frustration into work, he punches a number on his phone. Tom, Carl here. You dig anything up on this Finn guy yet? I told you to get my Huskers tickets. Non-conference game. Do it. We're in the kitchen. Adam stands with Donald, the chef, looking over the menu. Donald is a highly emotional bear of a man. Donald, I want to do something special for Mr. Parkman's dinner. Absolutely. I can do double portion on anything on the menu. Uh, I was thinking more uh, upscale-ish. In that case, let's roll out my patented Denver omelet station and light up the night. <laughs> that, that sounds like a great station, but let's, let's elevate this. What if, what if you had fun with, uh, say, uh, a composed salad of, of local greens and a grass-fed beef tataki? Grass-fed? Why would you feed a cow anything other than corn? <laughs> well, ethically, to start. Um... Doesn't taste as good, just like organics, which is a scam. <laughs> Donald, uh, there's no reason this can't be a chef-driven destination restaurant. All it takes is talent, which you have, and a willingness to push the envelope. So, I'm, I'm tearing this menu in half, okay? Let your inspiration soar. I'm freeing you from this tired, corporate, dictated menu. Those are my grandmother's recipes. <laughs> Oma brought them from the old country. In her unmentionables, her gift to this country. Really? Because, um, chili mac? She's dead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cirrhosis. Liver just popped. <laughs> Pretty brutal towards the end. At least her food survives. You were saying. Yeah, you know, I honor that. Just surprise me. And we go to the conference room. Rudy enters with a shady-looking AV guy to find Yelena and her staff packing up. The boxes are gone, but it still looks like a conference room. The tables are draped in pleated bunting. That's it? Come on. He asked us to make it nice. Yelena takes a dinky vase of plastic flowers from her cleaning cart and places it on one of the tables. There. Touch of class. <laughs> Bust my nuts so my boss can suck up to some rich man. Not my job. Yelena. I've survived alone like a monkey on the street since I was 14. I will bust nuts all day long. I will bust there, there till there are no more nuts in the hut if there's a chance we will get something out of it. Get it? I clean rooms, go home. Union, yes. Union, no. <laughs> Listen, take a couple of your bottles of Crown Royal Platinum. Crown Royal Platinum, strictly duty-free item. Why would I have that? Because you run a black market duty-free ring out of the supply rooms. No idea what you're talking about. You wear a $10,000 Rolex. Chinese knockoff is Romex. <laughs> Just take the bottles over to the Essentials and Terminal A and swap them for some nice candles. Talk to Brandy, she'll hook you up. Is this the blackmail, Rudy? This is the blackmail. So go ahead and grab a bottle for Rudy, too. 
We go to the front desk at the computer. Aaron and Jamie frantically search for rooms. Okay, we're just crammed. I, I don't see a single room free. You? No, it's just so damn tight. It's tighter than a chicken's vagina. That is a tough image to shake, Aaron. <laughs> Adam appears. Uh, pull up uh, Parkman's cancellation. You mind if I CSI this for a bit? Mm -hmm. As Adam types, Aaron, panicked, looks to Jamie. Help me. Adam, did I tell you about the last time we had the pleasure of hosting Marg Helgenberger's sister? Ooh, uh, just uh, a sec, Jamie. Mm -hmm. I, I almost got it. Oh, we uh, should reboot the system. I beg you for a system reboot. Hey, 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 look at this. Two rooms for a group arriving from Boston on a flight that has been snowed in. They are not making it. Nice, Jamie. So, uh, just one more. Adam points at her screen. Hold on, what's the code next to this held room here? CP? But that means captain's privilege. That's not standard. Jamie, come with me. They leave Aaron alone at her station. We hear Carl behind her. Don't turn around. <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep typing. <laughs> Giving away those rooms? That's a big gaffe. That's a day ender. And by day, I mean career. But in my army, what you did, you know, you'd be a hero, not a criminal. It's time to choose a side. Winter is coming. <laughs> we follow Carl as he walks away. An email alert on his phone. The subject line reads, regarding Adam Finn, urgent. As Carl reads the contents, a smile spreads across his face. Yahtzee! <laughs> and we go to the elevator. Adam and Jamie emerge from the elevator upstairs. Okay, come on. Why are you going out so far for this guy? He's not a guy, he's Rick Parkman! <laughs> okay, to you, he's nothing. To me, he's Mick Jagger combined with Optimus Prime. He's the head of corporate travel for Geico. We deliver for him and the gates of Eden fly open. How? When we deliver, listen for these words. Maybe there is further business to speak of. That, that is the first domino that leads to Geico moving their business tens of millions a year from Sheraton to our chain. And our hotel is the flashpoint. We're all heroes. We're all heroes. The bright boy is back, rising all your boats on my tide. You have really planned this out. Hyper-aggressive visualization strategy. Just listen, listen for the words. Adam and Jamie approach the door, Adam knocking rapidly. Uh, Captain's privilege? Look, you led us to believe you were sent here because you were the bright boy. Why were you sent here? I hear trip-hop in there. We go into the hotel room. A shirtless Rudy opens the door. Behind him in the dis disheveled room is his partially clothed girlfriend. Hello, Captain. Sir, this is just about two people expressing themselves freely with their bodies as Americans. By the way, T T1 is flying in. We are good to go there, GTG. How thorough a cleaning do I need to order here, Rudy? I'd go moderate. Light extreme. Or extreme, sir. You might wear it. <laughs> Rudy scoots out, leaving them alone. Adam sinks onto the bed. Adam? I shouldn't be here. Yeah, we should make way for hazmat, probably. Look, it isn't all bad here. I crafted my life, Jamie. I honed it to perfection all the way to Kona. And now I'm here, alone, no one, to my, no one but myself to blame. I really don't understand you. The passion, to me, it's a job. It's, it's relatively clean here. There's no dangling wires or old needles lying around. There's no wild animals. 
Your standards are both humbling and terrifying. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's more to life than the job, dude. Not mine. This is all I've got. Well, you might want to have that looked at. Jamie sits next to him. Adam swipes a bottle of hypnotique from the nightstand, about to take a swig, but no, he is Adam. My dad was a salesman. Cool, my dad was a con artist. Uh, and he stayed in <laughs> rooms like this half his life. He used to bring me um, little bottles of shampoo from his hotel stays, and it was like treasure to me. I, I didn't know how anonymous and lonely these places really were. Um, when I was 12, his work had a sales contest where, um, where the prize was a weekend at the Waldorf, uh, Waldorf, I can say it, <laughs> Astoria in New York City. And he killed himself to win it. We went there and we were treated like royalty. They, they knew we were nobodies and it didn't matter. Royalty. And I knew then and there that I wanted to make people feel that way. People like my dad. So, Cornell Hospitality School, the Four Seasons, and now... The Scab of Heartland, the Rash of the Plains. Oh, don't sully the greeting, okay? It is important. I, I worship hospitality, Jamie. I worship it like a god. Like a god does, or as if it is a god? Your corrections are killing me, okay? <laughs> You know, the first time that I stayed at a hotel room, prom night, we packed like three couples in there. We played this game called Nervous. <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, you close your eyes, okay, and someone puts their, their hand on your leg and then slowly moves it upward until the person says nervous. So I... Nervous. He stands up quick. <laughs> he stands up quickly and heads for the door. Believe me, you have nothing to worry about, dude. I'm still nervous. I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at least we found the missing room. Okay, know this. I will win. This is my last stand, my penultimate battle. That means your second to last battle. <laughs> okay, you, can, you, you can be a very irritating uh, woman, Jamie. And we end act three. We're in the conference room. The T1 guy efficiently, efficiently hooks up the display as Rudy watches. This connection has to be cherry. Like looking through a window, bro. Great. When we're done, head over to my place, optimize my subwoofer. Adam said it was a hotel priority. Donald, stress, enters, presenting a tray of appetizers. Rudy pops one into his mouth. Salami sushi with a <laughs> reduction chutney jam balsamic. <laughs> what is this sauce? Honestly, it tastes like something that dripped out of the air conditioner. Now, though, it's so salty, I, I feel my body mummified. Oh, God, I shouldn't have listened to him. Who eats like this? <laughs> Look, Commander Adama wants us to stretch. He wins, we win, he goes down, we pounce, maybe steal some stuff out of his pockets, metaphorically. Why do we have to change everything? Why is he here? <laughs> Murder brought him here. He has murder in his eyes. Adam is fleeing the darkness. He wants to hide from the screams in Omaha. Yeah, that's probably it. The candles are nice. You know how dearly this Jasmine Odyssey has cost me, huh? So enjoy. 
Yeah, like in the flowers, Elena, where they come from. And we go to the exterior of the Delta Sky Club. The planters outside of the first class lounge have been utterly ravaged. <laughs> in the lobby by the elevators and by the elevators, Adam and Jamie exit the elevator. Improvements are visible. There's less chaos. Bags are handled. Adam looks encouraged until two airport mechanics wheel a greasy motor through the lobby. Maintenance finds it easier to cut through here when the baggage carousel breaks down. Happens every couple of weeks. Sensing you want that rerouted. <laughs> Nodding, he points to the name of the bar. Also, uh, connections? <laughs> the next con connections? We, 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 we have to do better. That's Ready in the conference room, boss. And we're in the connections lounge. It's kind of funny. It's with an X. C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N-S. Connections Lounge. The place is populated by various airport fixtures. Flight attendants, off-work airline counter reps. Rick Parkman, drunk, sits with a regional airline pilot and bar regular, Royce. Fort Collins is particularly hairball with that inversion layer. I like to run and stun with minimal flaps, cut through like a knife through butter, layer down, leave a 20 on the nightstand. Adam and Jamie approach the table. <laughs> Just talking to Royce here. Good news, we've fixed the problem, and we have a surprise for you. Surprise? Mm -hmm. We want to make this more than right, and you won't be disappointed. I like it, Finn. I like your style. You know, I have something to add. Jamie has nothing to add. Uh, <laughs> come with me, Jamie, for further training. <laughs> and we're at the interior of Carl's office. The staff, minus Jamie, is gathered in Carl's office, which is a weird mix of sci-fi and football memorabilia epitomized by a life-size predator statue wearing a Cornhuskers jersey. Now first, first, I just want to apologize for any blowback you may have caught from the ongoing power struggle. Struggle? Isn't Adam just the boss? That was my understanding. Nope, nope, situation is in flux. You control your destiny. Now, you can, you can just go ahead and let young butt drag you down, or you can join me and fight. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Henry V, nice. No, it's from Takers, and it means... <laughs> like, what it means is it's time to choose, suckers. Carl steps aside. A YouTube video is queued up on his computer. This, this is the fancy new leader you've hitched your wagon to. This is why he's here. Carl clicks play and we see surveillance camera footage of Sasha Marriott in her 20s, <laughs> the hotel heiress. She sits atop a desk in a fancy hotel business center, crying in her wedding dress, swigging tiny bottles of Captain Morgan. Adam enters. Ms. Marriott, mm. uh, are, are you okay? I'm not gonna do it. And the video, <laughs> the video becomes the actual scene as Adam tries to comfort the bride. Oh, uh, wow, is there someone I, uh, is your father aware I don't that... even love Chet, I never did, he's so hairy. <laughs> he's like a stuffed animal, but like not for children, it's wrong, <laughs> I'm too young, I'm too young to die, I wanna live, man. Okay, 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 from what I, have read, this is a very normal reaction. Remember when you said, if there's anything you need, I need you. To do what? She yanks Adam close, kissing him. Ooh, I'd really prefer to keep this on a professional level. <laughs> I can pay you. Is that what you want? So filthy. <laughs> 
um, I'm, I, 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 no, I'm, I'm bumping a little bit on the, uh, the wedding thing, the 500 guests. Um. Always take care of the guest. Remember your training, man. Make love to me, Adam. Make love to the Marriott. <laughs> this tips the scales for Adam. They attack each other. We hear a beep. Someone's sending job to printer. God, that toner smells good. Rub some on me. Rub it in. He's... <laughs> <laughs> he starts to rub the toner on her bare shoulders and neck as she rips off his clothes. In Carl's office, the assembled staff watches the video slack-jawed. Send job to printer! Sending, sending. Send it! 85% complete. <laughs> mm, degrade me. You're a grimy little bellboy. Oh, 97%. Do it! Do it to the hotel, Adam! Marriott! <laughs> There's a collective wince from everybody. Aaron turns away in horror. Carl turns off the video, a shit-eating grin on his face. Service beyond. <laughs> Imagination. <clears throat> Adam stands in the open door, Jamie at his side. We watch as he forces his emotions into a box of professionalism. Staff. I, I was indeed reassigned here because I had sexual relations in the hotel business center with Sasha Marriott. On her wedding day. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> the mission has not changed. I know we can make something special here. Show the brass that being here isn't a punishment, it's an opportunity to change the game. Who's with me? No one moves. It's a standoff. He nods a few times, about to say something else, and then flees. Finally, Rudy claps his hands. Yelena, Donald, come with me. Yelena crosses her arms, clearly disgusted by the video. Blackmail still on Yelena. Forget Adam, he's a lame duck, he's a dying quail. Rudy ignores Carl and Yelena, much of the staff standing with them, turning to Jamie, who stands literally in the middle. Need your jam well, it's time to go. <laughs> it's go time. We're in the hallway off the lobby. Adam, covering his humiliation, leads Rick Parkman through the lobby towards the conference room. This is his Hail Mary. The moment I saw your predicament, I knew I had to do something that would define us in, in your eyes. So... He pushes open the door to the conference room. Here is your table at the wedding. Rudy has assembled the staff, minus the Carl faction. The room looks great, transformed, and the group actually looks proud of their effort. Rudy points to a big screen. Dallas is live, Adam. Indeed, we see people milling around the reception hall. How did you... Track down the wedding planner in Dallas with a little forensic jazz, hooked up with the AV guy there, easy peasy. I'm, uh, I'm stunned. <laughs> your toast will go off as planned. You and your guests will enjoy a meal that plays off the themes of the nuptials menu, including... Donald stands defiantly behind a carving station. Freshly carved meats. Uh, Aaron, will you please show our guest how the system works? As she takes him to the side, Adam turns to Donald. I thought we were going to stretch. I abandoned my Denver omelet station for you. Okay, please. <laughs> please don't, don't, please don't cry, Donald. Don't, don't. I, I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that we can eventually get away from a station-based situation. Adam turns to Yelena, who stares with reluctant pride at her work. Impressive, Yelena. Thank you. 
made quiet the voices that made you do those things I saw you do. <laughs> Parkman returns. He puts his hand on Adam's shoulder as if anointing him and speaks the magic words. Adam, maybe there is further business to speak of. Oh my God, it happened. One last thing. Anything. I like that sweet little uptight girl over there. What is it, Aaron? As if possessed of radar, Aaron starts he heading over. You send her up to my room later, and we can really talk business. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm hearing you correctly. Aaron arrives. Parkman puts his hand on her back. I said send her up later. I can't imagine that's a problem, right? You, you can deliver or not? And then he taps her on the butt. Aaron looks at Adam, shock turning into a sort of steel-eyed warrior gaze. She's willing to do it. I believe in the mission. <laughs> Adam looks at Parkman, then at Aaron. Inside him, a word builds like a volcano, a word foreign to him for so long. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 I say no. <laughs> no. That's, uh... That's not the right answer. Well, there is a line. That, there, that, there is a line. That line is called, no, a service must be based on mutual respect. She believes in that. How dare you, sir? How dare you make her question her extreme, almost bizarre dedication? It is okay to say no. It's okay to say no. He Whether storms you around possessed. Working in a hotel or being asked to work inside a hotel heiress? No! <laughs> no! No! There is a, such a thing as dignity, and it is alive and well in this hotel, and you are not welcome here. And when we get a spa, you will not be welcome there either. <laughs> get out! You shall not cross this threshold again. You shall not pass. <laughs> oh, yeah, time cop. Nice. <laughs> Parkman storms out. A long moment as Adam looks around at his staff. They seem moved. Ugh. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's get back to work. I'll just uh, sit first to veil surface. He sits on the edge of a planter. No one moves right away. They look to each other. Something real has changed. Some journey has begun for this odd family. Okay, boss. They all leave, Aaron giving Adam an awkward bow of respect. <laughs> That was so weird. Self-immolation? Yes, it can be. No, I mean, I think that they actually enjoyed doing their jobs for a moment. It's, it's fun to care, Jamie. It's fun to do a good job. But, but we're going to do this for regular people, not just hitters and BSDs, people like my dad. That, that's the whole point. So, where are you staying tonight? I hadn't thought it out. Maybe I'll just take the express train to uh, Rock Bottom and just go fight a hobo for a park bench or mm -hmm. something. Well, in case you lose, we do have an extra room now. Adam exits, Jamie behind him. Only Rudy, who has been eating leftovers at one of the tables, is left. Noticing that the video link to the wedding is still up, Rudy picks up the mic. Webster defines love as a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. Looking at you two, Bill, sweet Amanda, looking at the way you look at each other, I feel those words are inadequate. 
We're into your hotel room. Adam enters his room. It looks completely uninspired, and yet the soft orange glow of the lights make it almost cozy. There's a knock on the door. Adam answers to find... Hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, room snafu, I did it. It was my fault. No, you didn't. Aaron did. It, it wasn't so hard to trace. You, you really think I'd fire someone over that? I didn't know you, man. What would have gotten me was if you hadn't tried to fix it. You tried. Jamie goes to the hallway, wheels a room service cart in. She removes the cloche covering the plate to reveal... Corn-fed Omaha steak, medium rare. Nothing better in the world. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Seems like you got a pretty dirty mouth. I'm passionate about office supplies. <laughs> <laughs> and as Jamie walks, we're in the hallway, as Jamie walks down the hall, a weary-looking traveler emerges from the elevator. He looks lost. Jamie checks his key, points him to his room, and smiles, warm and genuine. Welcome to the Omaha Marriott. Welcome to the Omaha Airport Marriott, the jewel of the prairie. The man smiles and heads towards his room. We hear a voice behind Jamie. Beautiful. Never again. <laughs> As she walks away, Adam goes back into his room. Standing above the card, he takes a bite of the steak. It's incredible. Adam looks around the room as if temporarily making peace with things. He tries out an unfamiliar word. Home. Adam walks to the window, parting the curtains to see a massive jetliner passing right by his window. <laughs> and we fade out. we'd like to talk to you about our new podcast on Maximum Fun, Friendly Fire. It's the podcast about action movies and Sylvester Stallone specifically. <laughs> it's, it's the show I've always wanted to make. It is not that. It is not that at all. It's a little bit more of a war movie podcast. It's not a little bit more of a war movie podcast. It is explicitly a war movie podcast. We look at them from all sides and put them in a variety of cultural and historical contexts such that anyone is going to enjoy this show. So go grab Friendly Fire every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. My first question, I guess, you get this idea, you know, this setting. How do you decide how to populate that, the show? With, mm. How do you figure out who those characters are? I mean, what's the first, was Adam the first, those were the first character that you thought of. Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah, it, I think it was that guy kind of came to mind. You know, it was weird. Like I think we had this idea of Matt might have mentioned something this when we in the pre-interview of like just we had the idea of what the, the thematic thing of the show was was people who just try really hard in an environment where trying hard isn't really necessarily expected or rewarded, that there's something like very... Um, or valued. Char or valued. Something very charming, I think, about that type of person. And then the idea of, you know, the disgrace... Certainly a not a um, not a, a never-done TV thing to have someone fall from grace and have to go someplace that's... That's they never consider, been used. That's <laughs> never that's been done. No one ever has to move never. back home. Uh, it's a genre that is never named. But the yeah. fall from grace Fall from grace, move back home. Pretty, pretty standard right. pilot. Um, that's what you do. Um, and we had him, and then I think we... Some of it was sort of like... In my memory, it was like... There were just like people that popped up, like Aaron, the super eager... A front desk person popped up really quickly I think as somebody who 
it was just very interesting. We were like somebody who's really eager, and then there was Jamie, who was like someone who's like really, really not eager. So we kind of have these ideas. I don't know if it was conscious or not, but it's sort of like starting to put people in opposition, kind of of what their energy could be in the show. And also, just the when you when we start talking about Adam and his standards, like what is the you know what's the opposite of that? Like a a chef who just like is opposed and doesn't believe in organic right. stuff. Um, those kind of characters, and you know, uh, that's I guess what, going, yeah. is it thinking of who's going to bounce off yeah. this guy well? Who who's he going to be fun reacting to? Yeah. yeah, like what will be a challenge for him to deal with on on some level? Like a naive is going to be a challenge to him on some level, but that person is also like a dedicated follower of him, so she would offer, you know, uh, an ally. And Jamie is extremely capable and smart and interesting you know, to him to talk to, but it has zero values that are congruent with him in terms yeah. of what it means to work at this place. Like, it felt pretty natural to have, like, the guy he's replacing right. or coming in over as a character and, you know... Have a problem with him. Right, yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. And does that come, oh, he needs an antagonist who's the natural antagonist the guy he's replacing, or does it just come more organically than that? Oh, he, he's gonna, if he's coming in, he's the new guy, yeah. then there must be... yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it's it, like we definitely talked about it the way you're 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 thinking. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we definitely wanted to see who was going to bounce around it. But like, a, a few of them did just be like, you know, there has to be this person. Like, you know, right? Um, and it's, you know, the setting like that, like any workplace sort of comedy, it's like the setting offers you very specific roles to start with. Like, you know, there's going to be a restaurant there, so you can deal with a chef, or you could deal with a you know the, the the manager or you could deal with a waiter there's going to be a housekeeping staff and who is going to populate that and what's an angle you could take that would not just be completely expected on that so like that's kind of a, a benefit we learned of the workplace thing where there are certain roles that you can either lean into or try to try to make unexpected i think we talked a lot about like what's going on there before and it's it's in, it's at a it's at a place where Everyone's just kind of coasting and finding their own little scam or niche, you know, like to, to survive or thrive. <laughs> <laughs> but no one really wants to, like, poke their head up. You know, no one wants to, like, be, a, you know, everyone wants to be below the radar. And so, like, why like why are we doing this? Like, why are we, what's this guy, what's this guy spying? Yeah, like, they're fine. They're not, right. their jobs seem like they're pretty stable. They don't, they, they, a lot of them, you know, like each other to a degree. And so, like, that was sort of our you know then we thought we, so we bring this person in and it's not you know he's really he's got to create all the impetus for change because there's not a perceived need uh, for that for right him. so no one wants him yeah right but it's interesting you said he's coming into a place of accepted mediocrity yes. rather yeah. than another thing that you see in pilots is the person being brought in to save the business that's on the verge of bankruptcy right, right. and that really isn't what you no, did you no. said this everyone is kind of fine in their Maybe to mediocre world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, well, there's not those stakes. The, the, the Marriott's not about to go out of business and he right. has to save the day. Yeah. Right. I'm doing just enough without, you know, expending too much effort. Right. And yet know. they all, I mean, because, you know, I think, you know, they all have, hopefully it comes through that they have, they all have, they're not unmotivated. Like that was the thing. We didn't want it to be, you know, I'm sure as you, you know, from, as we all have written a lot you realize like you don't want to have characters that don't care or are 
you know, quote, slackers or like that's a very tough thing to go. So you want to have people who do have kind of schemes and motivations in their own lives and, and, and needs, but they don't have to all be the same need. Right. That's the thing. Right. I guess it's with Donald, the chef, let's say, it's the difference between a guy who just doesn't care and is a slacker yeah. and a guy who takes pride in his bad work. Exactly. Yes. I mean, he, exactly loves, he, he loves it. Right. <laughs> and that at least gives you, and I right. think that is, it seems like a small distinction, but it, it is a difference that a, a young writer might make. Oh, this to write a character who doesn't care about anything is very hard because they right. don't care about anything. But to have a guy who's invested in yeah. something, just yeah. the wrong thing, gives him drive. Totally. That's really, I think that's a really good point because now that I think of it, it's like it's it's writing characters who actively don't care is really they're not that funny. I don't think, and right. they're not also very compelling. So it's like. If they care about the wrong thing, that can be funny, I think. Yeah. If they care about some really weird corner of something, that can be funny, too. Like, so, I don't know, that's... that's. Yeah, I think a lot of us probably got the wrong message from watching, like, Stripes or watching Bill Murray movies. It seems like, oh, this is a guy who right. doesn't care, and he's so right. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. I mean, he, cared, he always cared about something. He yeah. might have been just getting women or, or right. something. Well, on some level, he cares about, like, disrupting the system. Right. He cares about, like making fun of things that are you're not supposed to make fun of whatever you know like so yeah yeah so you found because I do think in each of these characters that you populate this world with they do all have even you know the cleaning woman's got running her scheme right and there, there was one moment I wanted to ask you about which is the moment where um, Carl the antagonist uh, has the conversation in, in Korean you know yeah. with, with his wife um, which seemed to be a moment of sort of explaining why he is giving a little bit of dimension to him, and I'm wondering where that moment yeah. came from because my sense was well, tell Does me that where that seemed like someone had a note. It seemed like it. seemed <laughs> like someone had a note. Um, it's that's funny. A very perceptive. I, I had forgotten about yeah. that beat until until yeah. it was read and. It sticks out a little bit, but there was something like it definitely came from it. It came in a dress. I, I, well, I know exactly where because um, I read in searching for the proper draft to send to you guys originally. I, I had the like penultimate draft, and I was like, no, 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 wait, this is it. But that draft did not have that moment. I read through it, and then I read this draft, and I, I poked out all the moments that were added. And I feel like, don't you think it was like. I think we just wanted to create this just like quick thing of like he's got a whole life that is very specific right that we just want to see a flash of and we don't want to dwell on but it's just like suddenly this guy speaks fluent Korean and he's like he's a henpecked clearly got yeah like a lot of troubles of his own and so so yeah but that was definitely and it's funny there's times like it's also so instructive when you like especially hearing you know the actors do it and to kind of you can see some of the archaeology of of when you do something for a network too it's like sometimes we weren't quite as evasive about like not hitting a conventional thing as so even looking at retrospect I'm like yeah that one beat does play like we really leaned into the convention instead of like trying to chop it a little. There bit. was something I I ended up coming around to on it though. There was something yeah, I, in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, we could go home with him and just see what that's like. Yeah, and maybe maybe he's not henpecked. Maybe he's you know whatever, whatever he is. Like it's just a it certainly comes across that way. But like I wonder what it, I wonder what's going on there. Right, and, like it is interesting that he's 
he knows Korean to me. Yeah. yeah. But, but yes, it's like, I, it's out there. It, it, I'm not making any judgment on it. There's just something about the moment that seemed, uh, it just stood apart in yeah. some way. And I see it was, it was dimensionalizing what could be the sort of cartoonish villain, yeah. mustache twirling <clears throat> villain of the, of the piece. Yeah. Um, but I just was, I wasn't sure. Were <laughs> yeah, there other things that, that, that hit your ears? Like, oh, that was answering a note. You know, the, I'm trying to think, because most of them, like, it's the other thing is, like, I don't think we ever were asked to do anything in this particular process that we really had to, like, fight yeah. against. Right. There are things we had to be like, let's, we need to figure out how to deftly do that. But the team that we were working with was extremely sensitive and actually quite, you know, one of the sadnesses that we didn't get to make the show is that it was a really, really great group of people that all were really on the same comedic vibe. Like, there was no... There wasn't that thing where you're like, God, I really think this is funny, but why? Why don't you think it's funny? You know right. what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to think if other things. So there was definitely a thing of trying to make sure the airport, kind of visually reminding people that we were actually in an airport, that it was yeah. like attached to the thing. So you have like the regional pilot there. You have the okay. actually like I think them rolling an engine through at some point. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, the like visual signifiers, the departures board in the lobby, which right. it's so funny as we were like at one point, one of our producers had suggested that. It's like, what about like a departure board? And we're like, they don't do that. That's not that's not real. And it's like picture after picture online. Yeah. Like, they do do they, that. Like, yeah. They have absolutely have the departures board in the yeah. in the in the, in the actual the lobby of the hotel, yeah. Um, did you owe the backstory for Adam of the reason why he's this was that some, where did that at what point in the process did that come in the motivation for this guy the, mm-hmm. the story of his father I feel like did we talk about I mean it's it's funny like I can tell like my, uh, neither of our dads were salesmen but they both kind of were in a my dad was like a corporate world and Matt's dad was a lawyer so I feel like for both of us probably the idea of somebody who like really um doesn't consider themselves like a hot shot or a big shot but who's like has to travel all the time like the meaning of business travel and the meaning of like being away from your family and and having to go to an anonymous space over and over again and that it would be so valuable to like land in one of those places and also for me is like like for myself like whenever I go to I love hotels like I really love them and and I love like really fancy ones but I also love the Motel 6 there's just something about every hotel that I like and so that was also part for me I was like that's if when people really make an effort to like make your you comfortable it's a really profound thing in some way right and so you're really writing a show too that's in a world you want to spend time in yeah you like being at the in these places yeah I mean, I do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't love every hotel. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of a passionate hotel <laughs> lover than Matt is. He's got standards. He's got standards. Yeah. He loves a hotel bar, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> hotel yeah. bar is great. There's nothing yeah. better yeah. than a hotel bar. So the plot, at what point does um, the specifics of of the plot and the Adam's moment at the end, mm-hmm. and, and just the general... Um, you know, the thing with with Rick Parkman. And, yeah. Yeah. When does that come in? I think. Um, I guess I'm asking. How in your processes do you start thinking of characters and then go? Okay, mm-hmm. what's a story we can hang on this? Or did the 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 basic elements of that plot come in early in the process? 
I think we. I mean, I think we knew where we wanted it to end. Like the where the pilot would like how it would end and how it would kind of like you'd have a few people kind of mildly converted to his side, and you'd have him at the hotel, and and you can see a path forward to a lot of different stories. And I I don't know where the specific story with. Parkman came we, in. Yeah, we. I feel like generally we really we do know almost everything we write. We figure out the end very early. I think, and so in this case, I do remember talking about. Maybe we didn't talk about it except for in retrospect, realizing why we wanted it. You know, which was that to feel like he needed to do something at the end of the pilot when you're asking people to like come back. And they, hopefully they thought it was funny and hopefully they thought it was interesting and stuff. But this guy, we felt like he needed a moment of, of heroism of some kind or of showing that he actually was a leader, you know, in a way that, and showing that something is different about him already from having arrived here. Like, you know, we're like giving him the hardest thing that he has to do, which is to say no to not only a customer, but a powerful customer because it's right. And also I think it was important, and I, I think it plays this way, of to know about him that despite all of his, you know, uh, uh, the religion of service that he has, he is extremely moral. And so, you know, he's confronted with something immoral and he takes the right side of it. And I just felt like, to me at least, that was really important that he he do that and in, 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 be put in that position and I think practically it was like in terms of talking about all the changes a guy like this would make you know to the food to the decor to all this you know we knew he was going to go around to the various heads of departments and 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 say like what about you know this and I think that this kind of idea of it being able to happen for one specific event let us do all that kind of organically you know what I mean so like it's not just we're going to improve the restaurant like what if we do something special for this guy right. what if we decorate what if we make this room look real nice and so it's kind of a yeah, this is how it's going to be because you do you, you run into a practical if it is let's redecorate all of the right. rooms in, right. that, that you can't accomplish that over right. the course of a pilot it, and it's a slow tedious process that doesn't have yes and you want to go to the minutiae of that like, right. like there's a whole can be a whole plot about like changing like you know the artwork that they have in every room and you know yeah and that was what we were <clears throat> the opportunity that we were hoping to have with this was to be like that you could go extremely microscopic about every week's issue could be either kind of a big deal or like such a tiny thing about whether it was okay to have a quasi motivational poster somewhere in the back office and just the battle over whether that was classy or cl- not classy or what you know um yeah, so how much thinking had you done, this is, I always ask people, about future episodes and where, you know, mm. in terms of, was there a series arc considered? Where Did you think about much about the romance? Definitely. Definitely thought about the romance. Thought that that would be a... We had a, didn't we have a, didn't we tack on, didn't we have like four or five episode ideas? We did, we, we had a bunch of like very, like microscopic ideas, and then I think our idea for the, it's been a little while, so I can't remember, but I know we had an idea of knowing we wanted to get out of the hotel, surprisingly, in after maybe a few episodes, like do an episode that was at, you know, the like the the, the county fair or at the you know, some some sort of like um, event that there he's dragged to by the staff or um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, of course, in my mind now, I could be like, yeah, maybe like if this show was on for three seasons, the third season, en masse, they would go and they would be in Kona now. Like, they would be the all-star team that has been flown to Kona, and now they have to deal with the expectations of being, you know, having famously turned this hotel around and having a travel and leisure thing written about them. Now it's like, can they stay in success? Get a, like or, a star, you know. Right, exactly. So, so like, yeah, I think we had... As much a plan as they asked for, which was a little plan. Right. Those moment. documents are always a little bit of, yes, uh, maybe. Sure. <laughs> this sounds like a story even <laughs> I've written them myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know these are not ever going to be a story, because but they sound like it a story. Like it sounds like a story. But I, I guess because you guys are primarily film writers, and it's the, the difference is you have to write this open-ended thing yeah. that yeah. provides possibilities for hundreds more episodes. Um and yet, you, you know, you need to structure that pilot with a beginning, middle, and a, and, you know, and a big yeah. ending. Um, yeah, that hopefully makes a statement. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was funny how it played a little bit, how uncomfortable I feel like people got at that moment where Parkman is yeah. saying, send her up. <laughs> right. to, you know, yeah. In the sort of post-Me Too moment, you yeah, feel yeah, the yeah. audience just being really... But then I think the tension was... That was great, how yeah. tense yeah. it got. It really did, and it was... Because you could tell, like, too, it's like... Had I not known what was going to happen, if I'm sitting in the audience and I'm, I've been a person who's been enjoying and laughing with this, that like you could feel if we didn't handle that right, you would feel really betrayed, I think, and felt like, you know, the tables had been kind of yeah. turned on you. And so like I could sense not just the tension of like, are they going to portray something I don't want to see? And like that somehow makes me unlike all the stuff I liked. <laughs> right, right. And then the relief of like that they really did seem to really respond to, to the fact that he absolutely without any shadow of a doubt was like extremely moral right. and ethical and that right. was the point. But um, it is interesting to sit in the room. And it, it was more her moment yes, of like, where she says, I'm willing to do it. I believe in the mission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was where... That was, I was... That was one I was like, she's so hardcore, and she <laughs> just she, like the I will do this. She's like Carrie Car- like, Matheson in Homeland. Right, right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, like, yes, and I think, and I think that's really funny that she is she, yeah. exactly yeah. Carrie Matheson would do this. She she sleeps with the terrorists in order to stop him. And what's funny is this woman's doing it just because she wants to make this <laughs> right. airport Marriott better. But I could tell people were feeling yeah. like, is it okay? Yeah. To laugh at this right. moment that she is saying, "I'll go and sleep with this guy because I yeah. believe in the mission that and, much." Well, I really, I, and I really like the idea. I did think, you know, when we talk about it, it's important to, you know, without putting too fine a point on it. Like, I do think it's important to portray that it's like just not all on her responsibility to to like when confronted with this. The idea, like how things should work, is you should have somebody who's like your boss, who's like. No, I'm gonna get between you and this monster, right? And I'm gonna do, you know, like I'm, I'm not putting every all responsibility on you for every single moment. Yes, like, I'm, I'm not gonna send to you help. cheerleaders out to an event with the fans. Right. With all the stuff you're hearing now about yeah. how the football team send the cheerleaders. Oh, it's a fan event. Just right. go unaccompanied. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, that it's like no, your boss should be making sure those should not get to that. Yes, yeah. Um, but as a, I feel like as a whatever as a save the cat moment mm. for him um right. you know he gets to to take that stand where what about the fall from grace the specifics of <laughs> the sasha marriott scene when 
did that come in? Did you think, oh, this guy should have had a fall from grace, let's think of what that was, or... It's, it's I think funny. It that, we knew there had to be a fall from grace, but I think I think it started us started like out, is embezzlement very cinematic now, really? right? <laughs> like just something, just something where, he, yeah, he's just tempted in a way he never would have been expected to, and and also just like he's so controlled and so composed that something feeling having him lose control a little bit and and in a very kind of uncharacteristic moment seemed. Uh, seemed fun and also um, just the name Sasha Marriott occurred to us and we thought we thought, we, thought we have to have I think we can get to the stage director and just like who's there with Sasha Marriott right <laughs> it's nice when the stage direction just gets a laugh yeah. just because of its identity right you know? I was like how are we meant to know that when we're just watching it but anyway, right exactly. uh, um, but, I, but I felt the good thing about that moment was it is character because Here's a guy who will do anything for hospitality, and right. she does say, "Aren't you basically? Aren't you supposed to provide yeah. customer service and do whatever yeah. the customer asks?" And, and she's also why. his sort of the boss, and it's like another thing that 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 like that again we wanted to be really clear about is like, you know, he just he gets he gets overwhelmed by. You know his his passion for customer <laughs> service, service. Right. And, and his passion for the hotel, which he really just he really loves the Marriott. Right. So it's the personification <laughs> of everything that he holds dear. Right. Um, but I was really happy to see how that played because he's like, you don't know how that that's gonna play in a reading where you're just you know at a table. But I thought those guys yeah. just really crushed it. Like they really did. full commitment to something yeah. that, that required yeah. total commitment. Yeah. I think the only note we got on that was. Uh, it was originally a fax machine. And they're like, well, a fax machine feels a little old. Right. And we're like, really? They, I guess they, they still get faxes at hotel. They're yeah, like, guess, you know what, we could... I, I, honestly, I, 20 minutes ago, I was faxing something. Yeah. Really? Because the PDF wouldn't send to my computer. <laughs> but then when send job to printer came yeah. up, I'm like, okay, that's better probably. Okay. Right. When you got to the, the percentages right. and... Um, what about uh, some of the... The runners, meaning for mm-hmm. those who don't know the term, the, the sort of recurring jokes, the movie references yeah. that Carl does. Is, is that something where you um, you had one and it felt fun and you should, let, let's yeah. keep this, I, make this a part I of think his the character? Postman, the 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 one the rep, the line from the postman about giving out hope. Uh, a seemed to fit, but also I think it's something that just between the two of us comes up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so esoteric because it's the thing that no one. Sh- no one can really be expected to know. So right. a couple, especially not, you know, young people younger than us. Right. So, so I think that but then it's funny how like a thing that we were just like, when we were writing the first draft, just kind of being free about it, yeah. that, like that came up and it made us laugh. And then it kind of became a character thing. We were sort of like, what if a deal with him is he like loves movies and he's obsessed with science fiction and like, you know, like heist movies and action movies, but he just doesn't remember really what comes from what, what movie. comes from Shakespeare. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He just genuinely thinks that's from felt, Takers. Like he loves ta- like you know, the whole thing. Like he just loves Takers. Like if he went to his house, he just have like like signed memorabilia from Takers and just like, online. It's like his favorite yeah. thing in the whole world. Yeah, I could tell you know, the Predator statue with the corn yeah. huskers thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Having been in part of a writing team, there's almost I have this sense of I bet that was there's just these moments where like those guys were having fun. That's right? exactly yeah, yeah. They were making you guys quoting Time Cop, but you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nice 
I feel like when you can say, you know what, this is kind of for us, but we're just going to leave it in and know yeah. that if it's for us, it'll be for yeah. other people yeah. too. And then slowly, it, it slowly, yeah, it, it became like, it, it fits with the kind of the melodrama of his persona. Like his little fiefdom is, is under siege, you know, and so it's a, that, the, that mentality kind of works for him, I think. The eth- his ethos is taken from those movies. Right. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> right. he is act- he acts like a character. Yeah, he, he's right. made he's, his life into a movie. Everything is a little yeah. over It's very dramatic. Yeah. But, but you, that is a thing that just came out of, like, us trying to make each other laugh. And then, I mean, as you know, like, you have this catalog of weird references that things like lines from a specific movie that unaccountably you are always repeating and it's never even the prime, the prime <laughs> the, line right. thing, you know? And so right. then we sort of turn that into just a character trait of his. But I really am sad we never got to explore the Taker's Shrine. Because <laughs> like maybe we could have got somebody from the movie, Taker's, to yeah. be diverted through, and now you have a whole story about how everything has to be perfect. That's the Sweeps episode. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing is a Taker's parody. It's like exactly. Community would do. One of the, That's right. Yeah. Um, Anything else that struck you hearing it that that you were were pleased or not pleased? Was there, was there anything that um... I was pretty psyched with the whole thing because I feel like the cast was amazing and the audience was really with it and stage directions were incredible. oh yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely incredible. It felt like to me it was struck like the opening. It's it's a like a page of his sincerity, you know, yeah. and it's it's not like they're not. It's not joke cap. It's just like his passion yeah, yeah, yeah. is what is supposed to be funny. And that was a time where I was like, I wonder what the, what are the, like I was thinking, what are the visuals going to be here? Like, is it going to be demonstrations of all that? Like, because it takes a while to get to the completely uninterested person who's with him. Right. And so that was one of those things where I was like, I wonder how, it was just a production question of like, uh-huh. is that, will yeah, that, have will that we, play? Have we hit, that, did we, did we create enough laughs in the first yeah. Two pages. Or right. There's right. always a thing with pilots. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then once we kind of get, once he gets there, like to me, it's always like, we were talking a little bit about like how you have those parts in the script that you are anticipate and you're like, okay, I feel like I feel really good about this section. And like, to me, it's like when he gets to Aaron right. and I'm like, okay, that's, I felt really comfortable and right. happy. And when she I, says, "I want all your, yeah, I want all your knowledge inside me," I mean, you feel like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel like, okay, yeah, now we can then that's the tone of the show, of, actually, right. yeah. and, and we could start to, and then I, then I would find myself like, you know, anticipating, you know, like Donald, the chef, who would say like was like Lucas, like made him funnier than I really ever thought he was going to be like there's always those great things that didn't happen right? yeah. yeah when you put an actor in the part and you find things and, and that again with Lucas Neff reading that is the power of total commitment to something exactly 100% yeah, made some choice and made this incredible choice with that that yeah. made every every line that he did funny um, was, was there a show that served as a template at all did you go and look at any other TV show pilot thinking like oh this can help us we talked a little bit about Party Down. Yeah, um, that, that that we because that's a show we really yeah, loved, loved and 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 you know though it's so different you know it's it's structure it's like that's not a network comedy and that was other other things like in a way maybe it was both a strength and a weakness in that like we just don't come from that world so we had fortunately we had some producers that are very smart and educated in that world so they could help us you know like navigate 
the act structure and you know we, right. we kind of felt that through pretty easily but you know still it's like we're not used to that yeah so. and then what is a network comedy right. versus what is a, a a cable comedy and now like the whole other category streaming comedy or a, and so or the genre that if you go the genre of the Golden Globe comedy, which is like, it's not a comedy, you just have <laughs> right, an hour right, right, long, right. Yeah. and it's amusing, yeah, it's and it's a half an hour long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about but, stuff, or like, maybe not even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We talked about stuff like Parks and Rec, I think, as a, like tonally in terms of like, that show is so good with like all of its characters, little obsessions and like kind of yeah, side right. projects. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think. And who are like both those characters on that show, which is such a great show that they were so um, specific and sometimes ridiculous but not buffoonish like you didn't you you respect all of them in right. their own never way. become full cartoons dignified, yeah you know yeah um because they I, care about something you yeah that's what you're saying you know you're and I, I feel like we were like so many you know like, like so many people who have failed to get their pilots on the air <laughs> we were looking back to classics more you know we're like looking at like cheers and looking at you know um friends you know where it's like like things like like where it's not concepty right. it's it's not um you know uh, uh event based how you get it into it but then in this one it is you know like we sort of had to think of like okay the life of this show would be these people who we hope are interesting in this little cauldron and forming alliances and unforming them um the airport wasn't going to factor in so much yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. they could have been socked in yeah. once or twice. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, funny. yeah. Have, you you, have you guys watched LA to Vegas at all? I haven't no. yet. I heard but it's it was really there funny. is now a show that is kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar in some ways. It was mostly on the plane and in yeah, and yeah. the airport, but the same kind of okay. Yeah. What are these these yeah. characters? You would have a pilot. You would have flight attendants. You, would, you know, yeah. Similar. And I feel like it's an opportunity because there is a sort of like the idea of we had this character. We gave him like. It's funny because it's like it's probably perplexing why we took such care to introduce this character in the pilot with one line Royce, who's like the regional airline, airline pilot. pilot. We just like put him in there, and and that might have been a note actually, like like make people realize that there's going to be like a an airline rotating. pilot in here. Yeah. But like the idea of like with that is like there is something funny about a regional airline pilot just in general, and so like yeah. I think they're onto something. With Which, I mean wings. Also yeah. ran for many years, though we forget yeah. about it. Ran right. for like forever. Wings was forever. Mega success <laughs> yeah. of a yeah. television show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we sort of like, and I think when it kind of came down to the decision process, from what was, you know, came down to us from the from the network and studio, you know, was like, it just, I think it, it they were seeing it really a pure workplace sort of, and and you know, just it didn't. Um, it wasn't it wasn't hooky you know and that was the point it's like we never really set out to do that or we, you know, we tried to make it as hooky as we was could was it sticky sticky <laughs> I think that, that year it was sticky loud sticky fizzy sure. fizzy uh, there's a there's a fizzy period um you know <laughs> but it's funny because I feel like you know it, it's it's in many ways maybe part of the deal with it is it's like not 100% a network comedy but it's also not 100% a cable comedy either it's like it's definitely kind of a little bit of each. Right. Like it's felt like structurally to me, it feels like a very network yeah. style. I comedy. guess I would say what because I've had the same. It's too network for when they pass to then go yeah. sell it to anywhere cable because right. it's, it, <laughs> yeah, it's not cable yeah. enough. For yeah, cable. no, no, yeah. Exactly. still in its bones. It's, it's just it's what a it network is. comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, I should have probably stopped this at the uh, stage direction compliment. Yeah, but, they, uh, they, we can circle uh, back. To yeah, <laughs> they were great. They, they, they were. They really were. All right. Well, thank you guys for, thank for you. coming thank you. and getting more out. in the weeds. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. As always, thank you to my co-host Ben Blacker. Thanks to everyone at Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth Theater. Thank you to Noah Finling for making everything run smoothly. Please subscribe to this podcast and iTunes or Maximum Fun. Please. Leave us a five-star rating. Come on. And you really should follow us on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Dead Pilot Society. You won't miss out on any of the live shows. Go to Eventbrite for your tickets for our June 23rd show. Uh, next time, next episode is going to be Adulting by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein. Until then, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>